Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it is there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, welcome to Dharma Day. Uh, Dharma Day is one of the three most important festivals in the Buddhist calendar. And as most of you would know, um, I would imagine, is that Dharma means, Dharma means the teachings, the Dharma means the path to liberation. The other two uh, festivals is the festival of the Buddha, the enlightened one, the ideal of enlightenment, not just the historical person, but the ideal that we aspire to, our own potential. And the other is the Sangha, Sangha festival, which is um, the spiritual community, the one, uh, the supportive conditions, and as well the embodiment of the practice towards our, our, our ideals. And this... Um, so this Dharma Day, it's, um, well, the Dharma Jewel is blue, is the color blue. So that's why it's, uh, it's down there, the blue is around there. And this is the year of Amitava, so that's the red there. And I'm, a, and as Acharasrat has said, I'm, um, I'm a kind of creative, and I think what that means, at least for me, is I, I think very much on images and metaphors. So most of my effort is actually trying to uh, try to phrase what I see in images. Um, so when we were talking about what we would do in this festival, I think, um, as she said, it was a day before the elections and things weren't looking... Um, clear and uh, so I knew I guess and it's important for me that my Dharma practice is relevant for wherever I am whatever is happening so it was important for us actually to to make sure that the Dharma is actually because we know that it's relevant to make it explicitly relevant so that's why we come up with this image of uh, the strong for the many half blue half red and basically um, the talk is about me explaining to you like the whole thing that you see behind me. <laughs> uh, so, talking, I feel like I'm talking out or from an image. Okay. So, um, so on the subtitle or the what I'm trying to uh, move myself around, it's um, it's how do our Buddhist practice helps us being strong and stable for the benefit of all beings. <laughs> so, um, so, okay, back to the word dharma. Dharma means uh, reality, could mean phenomena, could mean, um, um, yeah, reality, existence, it all. But as well, it represents the path, the path of, of, of freedom. So, and that seems to be that is one of the characteristics of 
of the Dharma. That is, it, it takes you to freedom. And, that, and that's why, that's one of the connections with why the Dharma jewel is blue, because it's blue as the ocean. It is deep, it's gradually deeper as you get into it, as the ocean. It, ha- it contains big and weighty creatures, the spiritually developed, and its taste, um, it's, as, as the ocean has the taste of salt, the Dharma has the taste of freedom. So freedom and reality are very, um, or reality or truth is a kind of important words that I'm, that I'm exploring. So the quote that I started with, um, I don't know if many of you recognized it, is, uh, is from The Matrix. And this is uh, Morpheus, just, uh, it's just before he offers Neo the, the pill that would take him to, to reality, or to just to go back to sleep and live in the fantasy that, that he's, he's in. So it's just before he offers, gives the option of truth or ignorance. As, um, as one of the other characters says another point, he realizes that ignorance is bliss once he realizes. And I might go back to it. Um, so anyway, so, so then there's this word truth. What is truth? What is reality? Um, and there's different ways that we can ap- try to approach this question. Um, but the way that I'll try to go uh, get at it, it's uh, more like what, what, stops us, what stops us from seeing reality, what stops us from seeing the truth. This reminds me of these, the very, very famous verses of the Dhammapada. This is, and I've got it here, the Dhammapada, which is, um, is one of the most important, or is it actually the uh, most printed and translated in most languages Dharma book ever. Um, so it's very, very well known. And it starts saying, uh, it, the first two verses are, experiences um, pre- preceded by mind, led by mind, produced by mind. So what this, this first phrase actually is uh, was pointing out is, the mind is primary. What I'm saying is our mind um, somehow colors our experience. Um, that we don't see the world directly, we see it through our own eyes, through our own um, senses, through our own expectations, through our own um, experience and backgrounds. Um, and this is, this is where another area of blue comes in, because in a way there's like two characters as well that I'm, I've got in my mind. Uh, in this talk. One is uh, Akshobhya, which is of blue coloured. And he represents the embodiedness, the embodiment of uh, unshakability. His name means the unshakable. Uh, it represents yeah, utter unshakability. Um, maybe equanimity, groundedness. And one of the characteristics, well, these Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, 
they represent the different characteristics of the enlightened mind. So you drop a char- um, um, yeah, characteristic and then you embody it. They, they, they take a persona. Um, in a way, and they, as they represent somehow our own potential, what we can be. So as we explore these figures, we should ask ourselves, like, what, what, is this pers- what is this figure is, is telling me that I can be more of or more like? So one of the qualities of Akshobhya, uh, or its wisdom, is the, the mirror-like wisdom. Actually, it's very important to me. This is, I think, the first the first bodhisattva I read about. Um, somehow, um, they had this chapter translated on Akshobhya, and it was just called the Blue Buddha in in a in a website um, of free Buddhist books in Spanish. I was um, then later I discovered that it was actually a Triratna Valencia Center. Uh, but anyway, they just kind of translated this chapter and they just had this, the Blue Buddha. I thought, oh, that's weird. What's, why is the Blue Buddha? And I remember reading uh, the impact I had in my mind when, there was, when Vesantra talks about what, how is the, the mirror-like wisdom. And he gives the example of, uh, he said, well, if you stand in front of a mirror uh, with a flower, red, actually it's funny, we have, we have red flowers, uh, of, of deep deep red um, in one hand and the, uh, in the other you've got a knife dripping with blood of the same shade uh, the mirror reflects them in the exact same way it doesn't get, it doesn't get drawn or amplifies the, the rose and just distorts the, uh, the knife and actually I saw some of the responses from you like as I was reading it you know, when I read the knife, I said, oh, oh, that's really nice. No? And then you read the knife and you're like, whoa, I thought this is the Buddhist book. <laughs> Why is knives and blood? So already I had a response as I was reading it, and a physical response. And I saw some physical responses from you as I was saying a knife with blood. So a mirror-like wisdom is just like, it just reflects what is there. If it's, perhaps maybe without, without a judgment, an interpretation, of, of what's been presented. Mm-hmm. So this reminds me a bit of the qualities of mindfulness. This is why we, that's why we Buddhists meditate. This mindfulness is the quality of, by hold at, held attention, we direct our awareness to, to what is happening. We try to do it without judgment and with kindness. I would try to hold it. Um, and this is one of the symbols. Um, one of the symbols for reality is a Vajra, which I've got here. There's a few in the shrine. And there's the Vajra in the poster. <laughs> so, and Akshovia kind of holds reality. So in a way, that's what we mean. Well, from awareness, from holding what is happening, or kind of or with awareness, a held experience, holding reality, that's the place from which touches the air and grounds itself, himself. Um, so yeah, is this holding reality and what reality is, um, we must see it directly. Um, 
So one of the things that we develop when we become mindful, when we develop awareness, is that we become aware of our mind, uh, our, our own um, uh, processes, but as well you become aware of the environment, of where you are, uh, how that affects, how your environment affects your mind. Even when you're meditating as well, just your body, how does your body affect your mind? So if, if you've got a stable posture, the mind can, can rest, can be stable. If you have an uncomfortable position, that, that, will, you know, that would affect your mind inevitably. So in a way, it is kind of a part of a task through meditation. One of the things is this raising awareness, experiencing or facing reality. Um, so I want to explore how, how can that give... Curious of that, how, how will they look like? It's a question that, yeah, how, how does awareness makes you unshakable, makes you strong and stable? Um, one of the examples that once was given to me is that, um, as like kind of mindfulness, if our, if, if our awareness is small, um, it, can lead, it can, contain, can contain less. So this person, I should have, I should have brought tools for that. But if I'm going to talk about it, but if you put like, if you ta- if your awareness is a little glass, and its content is water, you know when conflicts and things happen, just the, uh, it doesn't take much for the water to s- to spill all over the place. But if you have a bigger container, the same amount of water, it won't spill. In fact, it could contain even more. So we try to, um, the other example I came, it came to my mind is like, about like not, not resisting reality, is that when you're on a tram or a train, or even more radically a bus, <laughs> and if you're standing up, uh, if, you're, if you're just kind of somehow self-aware of your body, not enough aware of where you are, you might resist, you you would resist like change or movement and you just kind of be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to be strong and stable here, ignoring everything else. You, um, you've been thrown, thrown around, actually. <laughs> you, you'll fall. It's something like, I mean, this is, this is a good example because it's something that we don't think about sometimes. You're just, you're just in a bus and you know, your brain knows what to do. So you kind of relax your knees a bit. Uh, you know, you know that it's going to move, so you kind of need to be ready for, to respond for what is kind of coming. So somehow it's this kind of quality of relaxed and through being aware of where you are. And just, you don't need just much, much energy. It's not, <laughs> it's not grounding yourself with force. It's just by simple, kind, gentle awareness is that you can just stand. Right? And it comes with practice as well. When you see when people get on a tube or on a train for the first time, they can throw a, uh, thrown around quite a bit more easier than an than experienced commuter. So yeah, relaxing tensions. Uh, with wide, with a wider awareness, we can hold a lot more. Um, which, this sometimes could be con- counterintuitive, actually. It's like, oh no, I don't want to be aware, I just kind of do my own little thing. <laughs> Uh, let's just focus on my body and my, my posture and I'll be alright. It's like, that is good, but it's, 
it won't get you all the way there. So we need to kind of be wide aware of the world, its processes, where we stand in it, and to not be thrown um, thrown around by pleasure, pain, praise, blame, gain, loss, fame, or shame. Mm-hmm. So we need to, yeah, that's uh, the the this back to the mirror-like wisdom. It's, um, I think, the opposite of the mirror-like wisdom. The other image that we we use is like, so if we don't see the world, we don't reflect, we don't see it exactly as it is, how do we see it? We see it through our own lenses. Actually, this is a, this is a word. I should have brought colour lenses, actually. I've got blue colour lenses. They're kind of round. So it's more like we, we look at the world through our, through our lenses. And um, so an enlightened being is, is, it would have got rid of these lenses. And what these lenses, um, the, the colour of these lenses are the colours of, of greed, of hatred, of delusion or ignorance. So in a way we need to get rid of, get, get rid of these lenses. Um, so again, to try to get a bit more practical, how would that look like? How would it look to to get rid of? Uh, what? How, how would it look to see the four noble truths, for instance, without these lenses, without these lenses of greed, hatred, and delusion? So these four noble truths, which I pick this list because it has the word truths, and we're trying to explore the truth or reality. So this is a this is a very well-known list because um, what well, you will know about it is the existence of suffering uh, that the suffering has that there's causes for suffering that there there is there is a cessation of suffering or nirvana enlightenment and there is a path uh, from liber- uh, of liberation from suffering so how would it look to be how would it look the truth of suffering without aversion, without me, I don't want to experience this pain? How would it look like without uh, wanting not the greed? How would, it be without, how would it be suffering without wanting to be somehow else in another way? Not with ignorance. How would it be to see suffering without... Uh, with full knowledge of of the consequences of this, and that the fact that is that is impermanent, and I think we could we could try to reflect on that with 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 all with all the truths in a way. How would this be? How how would I see this truth without these lenses? How truthful is it? There's something about reality that um, we're coming back for of this symbol of reality, this image of reality. So I said this is called Vajra, and this is uh, sometimes called the, the, a diamond thunderbolt. It kind of represents the powerful, the power 
even the destructive power of reality and truth. And it's, uh, it's an image I love because sometimes you would think that maybe Buddhism wouldn't talk about destruction or power. They're like, they feel like loaded words. So I want to explore that. Like, well, they, they feel kind of quite, yeah, big words. <laughs> and um, so is this, is this that, um, yeah, that, well, that reality can change our perspective. Can, um, it is the, um, it, would, it would have an effect in our, in our actions, etc. I'll go, I'll go back to, it, to that. Um, so in a way, if we step into a, a bit more, if we, if we would be more aligned to, our, to reality, this, this would take us to respond in different ways. Mm-hmm. Those would take uh, to different ways than the ones that we're probably uh, habituated to. This is what Sangharashitism, I feel, I think, it, talked to, uh, it was referring with re- reactive mind and creative mind. So reactive, if you see, um, well, you, but maybe back to the, to the, four, the, fer, the Four Noble Truths. If you see suffering, the existence of suffering with hatred, like, oh, I don't want that experience, or with greed, I want a different, exper- a different experience, I want pleasure, I want gain. Um, then, um, yeah, then, then how reality would, um, I'm losing my thread. So the, <laughs> it's, um, well, this is, this is what he means by reactive. This is, this is just kind of reactive, way. it's just kind of greed or hatred, right? A creative way. It would mean like being aware, which is kind of this wider awareness of what is happening. It's like, oh, I'm looking at this through the lenses of great hatred, through the lenses of greed. So the creative thing would just kind of try to see, well, maybe to start with, to acknowledge that you're seeing it through these lenses and, and take, take a decision. So something that happens with awareness is that what you become aware of, that's another phrase from somewhere, what you become aware of, you become responsible of. So something about what you become aware of, you cannot but have a, a moral almost kind of duty to it. This reminds me of, well, I'll try to read this other quote of, from The Matrix. This is uh, at the end of the film. Neo is trying. It's a uh, it's a message for um, for the enemy. Okay. So, I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you, a world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. 
a world where there where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. So so far I've been talking about awareness in this kind of meditation area that is important in Buddhism. Now we're stepping into the realm of ethics, of choices. And and this area is based on the fact that actions have consequences. Um, it's the area of karma. And it's, it is um, acknowledging that we can change. That we ourselves can change. That we can help others to change. And that we together can change the world. So it's change, it's growth. Uh, the, the possibility of growth. And this is the second symbol on the poster, and now we're moving to the red part of the poster, uh, which the, the lotus, the lotus does what it represents, represents change, represents growth. The growth from the, from the deep and dirty uh, mud up to the light. And the lotus has this other quality of, that, of being white and pure and like doesn't doesn't it has that unsticky quality like the mud doesn't stick to it it has some like an in, in, what's the word impermeable uh, quality to the rose to the to the petals so the mud doesn't stick to it, it just kind of yeah goes and um, so that that is the symbol that Amitabha as well is holding is holding a lotus More of that through the day today. And um, so, yeah, and, and this is a constant, a constant practice. All, every moment is a moment of action. There's no moment where, where we're inactive. And by any action, there is a, there is a choice to some, some level. This reminds me of again the Matrix, with a. It's just a, I think, um, Neo, the main character, could ask like, "Do you believe in fate?" And he said, "No, because I don't like to be." I said, "I don't like to believe. I refuse to believe that I'm not in control of my own life." And then is the first quote that I said. But you know, it's, it's like I, we and we do have. And I think in Buddhism, that's what we talk about, actually. There is no fate. There is no, there is no, you know, there is no other, other beings, other people. There's no other gods for you to blame, uh, for you to uh, kind of depend on. It's like, within it all, there is a level of responsibility and it's down to you. So it is, it is, it is a constant process of transformation, in a way. Um, yeah, we need to explore how to be more like blank, you know, more unshakable, more wise, more compassionate, to move towards something, to leave something behind, to be free, free from stuff. So it's, and I'm, I'm and I'm not giving a particular examples because I think there's many different ways that we're moving from. Or towards, and that this movement as well can can be scare, scaring, can be challenging. 
Because we know, as cre- we're creatures of habit as well. So uh, I think sometimes that's why we need these tools, these things that help us to break through that habitual tendencies. Um, and to recognize, so we need something powerful, we need to trust that the truth is worth embracing. Uh, so ch- yeah, and change. So change can appear to be frightening. It can be frightening, but at the same time, it could be very delightful. It could be very joyous. So this is why we put this. The, the Buddha that you see there is uh, is an Amitava in process, and this was a, an excellent idea. I don't know if it was Romans' idea of where it came from, but it was a lot of sensationalist news, newspapers been shredded and to take to, to take a form of the embodiment of compassion. So this project of uh, uh, transforming hatred into compassion. And it's not finished, it's still in process. But I think I just we just took it from down there because I think it's it's important to remember that it's a constant process actually. It is an, it is a transformation process. It is, um, I was talking to Charles Schrat as well earlier, and sometimes our responses to that paper, just, I was thinking yesterday, like, oh, I can't believe, I would, I would never thought I would have put some daily mail on, my, on a shrine. <laughs> so that's interesting, because that's, uh, she was reflecting back, like, yeah, just, I've got such a strong response, aversion to these papers. <laughs> it's like, why are they doing that? Uh, and they're pinned down by vatras, okay, by reality. <laughs> so don't worry, they're tamed. And they've been transformed. And somehow this as well might, could, could represent something in, about us or from us, from within us. Mm-hmm. So, okay, with awareness of our actions and awareness of our environment, one of the things that happens with... Um, yeah, we're, with awareness of our mind and our hearts, we cannot help but recognize uh, these areas in others. We cannot help but recognize not just our suffering, but the suffering in others. And I think these, the differences between each other start to be less obvious. Or maybe more of a, you might get a sense, a clearer sense of how this might be a, a delusion. And someone recently, I mean, after, after the bomb uh, here in Manchester, it was a, an amazing response of, uh, of people just responding to, you know, as a community, the sense of pride uh, that emerged after. <coughs> After the shock, and you know, and, and the, uh, well, the pain, the of the loss, actually. But I think, I think I saw this somewhere. There was someone saying that we have more in common than that what divides us. You know, this whole "I love Manchester" campaign, or movement, or I don't know how to call it. This phenomenon, this dharma. <laughs> of people noticing the suffering close to home, you know, (laughs) right in the city centre, you know, I was like right in the centre of of ourselves, 
um, we cannot but see and recognize suffering. And what is what what happened is that people responded. Once you, one of the words for karuna, which is compassion, uh, of one of the translations is like trembling with, so it's shaken with, be shaken with. So you know, if you're not strong and stable, <laughs> uh, or something kind of shakes you, if you shake, you've been shaken with others. The the obvious response, the natural response, is compassion, is to. So you saw these hashtags as well going around of like we stand together. Now this this will not divide us, or choose love. I think that was all around in the uh, in the concert a few days la- uh, a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we need to, that is that the constant decision that we shall choose love, compassion, empathy, um, sympathy. Um, and why is that? And I think the profile picture at the moment of the Manchester Buddhist Centre website, uh, Facebook page, has this quote of um, hatred has never stopped hatred. Only, only love stops hate. This is the eternal law. So no, this is the truth. That's why I'm picking this up. So talking, explaining the truth, the Dharma. Hatred has never stopped hatred. Only love stops hate. This is the eternal law. So, so yeah, compassion and love is, is one of the is the other quality of the enlightened mind. It's another practice, and that is in a way compassionate love is an expression of wisdom. So, and Amitabha embodies this. Uh, it is, and he is red of color. And radiates, uh, radiates with metta, with love. So, just to finish a little bit the talk, I have, I have, I have said quite a lot of things. <laughs> um, now, I started taking talking about meditation, raising awareness as a way of. Um, Embracing reality, embracing the truth, and that that could make us um, unshakable. Then a bit about the choices that we have. Um, this is the realm of ethics. We um, this this long tradition of uh, of precepts, etc., that can guide our behavior in. In accordance with the with reality, and and wisdom, some of the aspects in which wisdom, uh, well, talked about the mirror-like wisdom, and how how a wise response, or the response from a wise person to suffering, it is compassion, and it is love. So I'm going to finish with another quote from another film that is currently on cinemas. And, yeah. I used to want to save the world, to end war and bring peace to mankind. But then, 
I glimpsed the darkness that lives within their light. I learned, I learned that inside every one of them, there will always be both. The choice each must make for themselves. Something no hero will ever defeat. And now I know that only love can truly save the world. So I stay, I fight, and I give for the world I know can be. This is my mission now, forever.